Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based in Northern California, Chico specifically. My name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. What a specifically, treat. what a treat. Your co-host. <laughs> this is, and I hope I get this right this time, episode 190 of this podcast. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. If you're just joining us for the first time, what a treat, man. Glad to have you guys, whoever you are. Um, Johnny Summers, where can people find us on the internet if they are so inclined? Instagram, Twitter, untapped, at Fresh Hop Cinema, Letterboxd, at Max Minardi, and at Johnny Summers. Email us at fhccastgmail.com, freshhopcinema.com, patreon.com, slash freshhopcinema if you want to help keep this thing rolling. Uh, we also ask if you like what you hear, you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, and uh, let's keep this magical train rolling. It's been rolling for so long, it feels like five years. But <laughs> how, it hasn't been How long years. has it been rolling? It's been four years as of today. Uh, I would like to make a toast to my better half, oh. the one, the only, Max Bernardi, for being late every fucking episode for four years. <laughs> Look, man, all right, yeah, I'm not going to ruin the moment with the debate. And I also would like to raise a glass to my better half, who has been keeping me honest with this spicy, I'm not, I don't know why I'm talking about you in the third person. I will say to you, my friend, Johnny, this has been a weird uh, thing that has stuck with us for so long. I love doing it. Uh, don't need to get all mushy gushy right now, but I appreciate the heck out of you. Thanks for uh, doing this with me. I enjoy it. Absolutely. This has been a blast. Cheers to you, my friend. Cheers, man, uh, which is a great transition into our next announcement, which is that today, which is not the day that this comes out. We're recording it a couple days in advance, but upon our recording, it's National Drink Beer Day 2020 in, in the good old United States of A. So we should acknowledge that. And for that, I'm going to take one more sip of my sipping drink before we get to our first beer of the show. Do you have any other announcements, um, mentions, shout outs, anything like that that you want to talk about before we dive in? Uh, no, man. That was it. Cheers to four years. Okay. Lovely. Cheers to four years indeed. So let's, I, this is the first time, I mean, we've had a couple, uh, maybe it's reductive to say bummer beers the past couple of weeks, but I'm going to go out on a limb. These are both breweries uh, that we're doing this week that we've covered in the past. Very much great stuff that comes out of them most of the time. And I assume these two are no different. So I'm very excited, particularly for this first one that you picked out. I haven't had a great notion in, in a hot minute. And I don't think that I've ever had, um, a beer of this style from them. So tell me a little bit about what we're about to drink. Yeah. So this beer is called jammy pants. It is a wild ale with a ton of fruit in it, uh, from Portland, Oregon's own great notion brewing, uh, from their website. Jammy pants is an ode to our kids, all the parents out there and to our love of fruited sours. This kettle sour was fermented with 420 pounds. If you're puree, bro, fruit puree, 420 pounds. Uh, yeah, you get the reference. I don't know. I don't really get it in the context of the beer. Like it's It's fine, but they're from Portland. It's fine. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so this beer has raspberry, blackberry, boysenberry, strawberry, blueberry, cherry, black currant, passion fruit, and guava. It's time to get your jammy pants on jam jiggity jam. Let's drink some jammy pants. I'm so excited. I'm doing a little dance. So I've poured it in my glass. It's this deep sort of magenta bordering on purple, um, very carbonated looking beer. It's got some like crazy little lacing around the sides of my glass at least. And it's just erupting. It smells like a pie. It's just this mm -hmm. really rich. Um, I don't know if you mentioned, but it's 7% and it doesn't smell like it. Um, 
and I'm actually surprised it is that high. You don't really see kettle sours jumping up to that ABV most of the time. Right. Um, but even smelling, it's kind of made my mouth water. Have you, have you poured it slash smelled it slash tasted it yet? Yes. Yes. And All right. Yes. First impressions. It is a juice bomb. It is so juicy and fruity and sweet and tart and wow. It's like mouth watery. This thing is like an explosion of flavor. There is so much going on here. And I think I like all of it. Have you tried this yet? Dave? Yeah, I was actually just hoping your sentence was going to go on a little bit longer because it, it makes my mouth water so intensely. There's just like you're saying, there's so much going on. Um, I think up front, God, it's really wild. Up front is like all of the kind of tart berry vibe going on. And then as mm-hmm. it sort of makes its way down my throat, it ends up it like mellows out in this really rounded sweetness. It's like a little a little tang punch and then just like an eruption of just as it mellows out and it does end with, with some tanginess, but it's not like that sort of biting acidity that punches you in the lymph nodes, which I love. I not the acidity. I love when there is not that factor. This is very drinkable yeah. and, and very, it's a bit, it feels big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, this, this hits a ton of the notes that I know we both enjoy in candy. Uh, yeah. This, yeah. this could be like a chewy sour berry gummy. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, and I would eat so many of them. It's um so this one my my canning date's printed right on the, right almost near the name of the beer. And this one was canned on September 2nd, which is uh if you don't know our anniversary here on the podcast is September 28th. So we're just under a month on this and I I'd be curious to see how it aged. You and in a second I guess I'll get to asking you where you got it and how much, but um typically I don't know that I would sit on a kettle sour for too long, but this one does yeah, no. feel like one that would maybe do okay given the relatively high ABV too. Maybe, but it's not going to get any better. So for yeah, me, there's not yeah. really no purpose to that unless you're just saving it to like drink it with someone in particular who's like maybe coming from somewhere else or something. But you also uh, don't think but, it would get worse, right? Uh, I think it would get worse. Really? I think things would start to fall off. I think it would just kind of, yeah, definitely. I think kettle sours fall off and like, I don't know, you're not good. It might get a bit more tart. It might not stay as sweet. I think, I don't know how things work. I'm not a scientist or, or a nutritionist sure. or a brewer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, that would be my, I wouldn't age it. I think I know certain things fall off in sours and they just end up being nothing but sour. Yeah. So I don't know if like the berry flavor of this would, would dissipate or become less robust. So personally, I wouldn't take chances and sit on this for very long. That's fair. I'm actually really stoked for you because this does feel like one of those beers that would be cut with lactose a lot of the time. I Googled it so hard. I, like it feels like I mean, I don't, I don't taste it or anything, but I could see a little bit of some type of lactose adjunct going really well with this, like kind of just like given that sort of creamy roundness, but it doesn't need it. So I'm, right. I'm, I'm glad that you get to enjoy this too. <laughs> yeah. This beer is fantastic. I agree, man. Um, let's, let's pick some nits. Anything you don't like? Uh, I mean, dude, that's a hard question. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's like cherry pie filling up front with straw, strawberries. And then, mm. no, I can't, I don't think there's anything I don't like about this. Yeah. I'm struggling as well. I mean, it is so good. I think it's maybe we have, we have pint cans and that feels like a bit much for me, like, but that is kind of what they can regularly, but I I'd be satisfied with a 12 ounce of this easily. Um, yeah, I'm wondering as and I've probably had, let's see, like not quite half the can yet. Um, 
And I'm basically, I think, getting close to hitting my ceiling for this. Because it is, yeah. I mean, it is sort of a, an aggressive flavor and an aggressive style of beer most of the time. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an amazing beer. My one little qualm is that and maybe this just speaks to the pandemic. Like, I just want somebody to share it with. Well, that and in any draft beer situation, there's no way in hell you would get served 16 ounces of this. For sure. This is going to be an eight or 10 ounce pour at mm-hmm. the most. And I, that is appropriate. So, I mean, it would go way, it would not make sense for them to produce a 12 ounce can, but yeah. I definitely think this was not meant to be consumed all at once out of a 16 ounce can or uh, even, you know, in a couple glassfuls. I would say this beer is meant to be shared. Definitely stylistically, yeah. uh, overwhelming flavor and sourness, acidity. Um, yeah, I think eight ounces is perfect. To just, you know, I would say grab this beer and split it with one other person and you both have eight ounces and that is the perfect amount of this beer because you won't be sick of it because it's like, it's almost like eating like gummy candies or hard cherry candies or something like you're good with like two, maybe three, maybe Mm. four bags of like a really strong flavor. Not like gummy worms where that's a different conversation. (laughs) I will mess up a bag of gummy worms, Mm -hmm. son. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something like a very strong flavor that I, it's like, this is like shock tarts. You know, I love shock tarts, oh, man. but I don't yeah, want to eat. Like, I'm not like trying whole, to do a whole bag. Yeah. I'm not trying to do like a whole, like, what do they come in? Like the little tubes, like Rolos. Um, why uh, can't I picture that? What am I thinking of? I don't shock know. Tarts. But yeah, shock tarts were like a round, ch- like hard on the outside. Of... No, they were hard on the uh-huh. outside and chewy on the inside and super sour and like, acidic on the inside you're not thinking of a warhead no they were very warhead-esque but okay. warheads were hard that's right uh, okay. shock yeah. shock tarts were are chewy and they came in like a oh Rolo's. i got you i know what a shock tart is yeah 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 i know yeah what you're about. like it's not like a gummy worm it's like a shock tart where i want to eat like three or four totally. of those and then save that package for later i also think that i mean stylistically sours i would argue were one of the most divisive beer styles because you had it's such a wide range of things that you can taste i would say maybe a runner-up now is like the ipa if you include the new england trend but i think at this point that's kind of its own thing but if you lump all sours together there's so many different styles and in particular my wife and i don't always line up on what we enjoy like she doesn't really like the the lymph nodey punch ones and i have a tolerance for them but i think this speaks to the quality of this one like i might just go give her the other half of this can because i'm enjoying Mm -hmm. it but i don't like i would I think it would just maybe be a little bit heartburning if I finished the whole thing, exactly. so, but I'm confident if I went out there and was like, Hey, you want to try this? It's, it's a sour, but I think it's right up your alley and up mine, even though they're very different. And I think she'll dig yeah. it too. Well, and this is one of those beers. If you poured half of it in a glass and handed it to your wife, she might just think it's wine and then just start drinking it. Wait. Okay. Just coming off of a pretty long wine kick the past couple of days. No, but I do take your point just in case anybody's listening is like, Oh, it's just like wine. It's still definitely no, but- beer. Like aesthetically, like it's very popular. Oh, 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 sure. Yeah. Like walking in from across the room, like, hey, babe, I brought you a drink. Yeah. It could be mistaken for wine very easily. I think that's probably fair, especially as it's starting to settle down and kind of lose some of its head. Mm-hmm. Like a, yeah. It's like a, a really pretty color. It really is, man. Uh, I can't remember. I don't really know what the lighting in your in your home setup is like, but mine's terrible. Re- mine's relatively yellow. Like it's a very warm sort of thing that I've got going on in here. So I assume this is not quite as as kind of purpley as it is, but maybe it looks the same to you. Uh, it's, it's like a ruddy purple. Yeah. Um, the lighting in here is God awful though. This but, is a cave, but, but for good video for podcasting. Re- yeah. 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 It's a cave for video games, recording and watching movies. Yeah, totally. As it should so, be. 
Yeah, hell yeah. So, man, I'm I'm really in love with eight ounces of this beer. Totally. I think that's a fair way to put this. And I'm going to rate it. I feel like it's time. Yeah, I think so. Our too. first beer of our fourth anniversary episode. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, yeah, it is a wow. This is like a this is like a nine this is a nine six for me. Nine point six. I wrote nine point five. I think we are on the same page. Um, where did you get it, Johnny? How did you get it? Because I feel like I don't see a lot of distro from Great Notion in Chico, California. And then lastly, how much was it? Yeah, man. That's like the most exciting thing is I got this at SNS. Cool. Yeah, dude. They uh they were able to get one of the varieties and um shout out to Spike's Bottle Shop here in town. They actually got three different kinds of Great Notion. Dope. They got this one, they got like a blueberry like a berry milkshake and then like a, <laughs> a guava double a hazy IPA or something like that. Yeah. Um so this one I purchased at SNS cuz I was 100% sure they had it and then I went to Spike's to see what else they got. Because I actually got our second beer of the show at Spikes. Nice. And I saw that they have multiple varieties. So great news, great notions, great goodness coming <laughs> to Chico. So get out and get it. It cost about seven bucks, but all right. Um that's fine. For what that's it great. is for dude, for what it is and the level of rareness and mm-hmm. quite frankly, the the way this rates for me and my palate, um, this is you can't miss it. Yeah, I think I think that's probably right for me too. Like like, I mean, there's been so many beers that we've done where it'll be like for both of us, we'll rate it like a three or a four. And it was like, how much was it? It was like $9 for like a, a 330 milliliter bottle. And it's like, I don't, that sucks. Yeah. So to have something that like you're saying is at least in our area, pretty rare to see for a price that I would consider affordable for what it is like, yeah, like get it, get your hands on it. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. And for me, great notions, one of the probably top 10 breweries in the world across the board stylistically is that right i didn't know with, every, that with, with everything they do because their stouts are world-class their hazies are world-class their sours are absolutely world-class yeah. and their like single ipas are amazing too like or their their west coast ipas i should say like i haven't had they're they're kind of like a modern times in that i haven't had any bad beers from them yeah but for me their beers that they put out are more elevated than like the everyday beers from modern times so oh, i would 100%. put them yeah in that ballpark or above um but yeah one thousand percent these guys are top 10 in the world for me and this this beer does not disappoint so that's jammy pants from great notion in portland oregon and also here in chico if you're out and about stop by a local bottle shop ask for it get a can get it inside you and let us know what you think johnny i have had a uh, very little free time over the past couple days so i might yield the floor to you uh, to fill people in on what is worthwhile to stream by way of flick picks i see that you have a couple in our notes where do you want to start and do you want a trailer uh, i have one in my notes uh, and yes i would love a trailer for it this trailer is for the 2019 film that dropped August 28th this year on Prime Video called Get Duked. Ah, the Highlands. One of the purest places on Earth. Hardly a foot has touched... Wait, who the hell... Okay, roll call. Duncan McDonald. Dean Gibson. DJ Beetroot. Can I have your real name? Just that third one down there, William de Beauvoir. William de Beauvoir. What did you tell him? Told him to go fuck himself. Oh, nice. Who are you? Ian. I'll meet you at the campsite at 6 p.m. Run, run, run. You're kind of menace. This is 
Be careful, you don't want to get lost in the highlands. There's danger everywhere. Hello, boys! That's how they're doing it, Edinburgh. Run! They nearly killed us! We got your weapons. We're doomed. We'll make a bomb. Where's the explosion? You have a whole point of a bomb? Mr. Carlyle! <laughs> I've never seen a murder before. I'm homeschooled. This is our number one case now. Yeah, take some of these. You'll feel fucking invincible. Your generation, you're always complaining, always saying you are the victim. Fuck off, granddad! We have to stop them. Yeah, low super high. You won't get away with this. We always do. Let's finish this. Holy shit! Nothing ever happens in the Highlands. Booyah! That was Get Duked, D-U-K-E-D. That was written and directed by Ninian Duff. The description, as it says on IMDb, is thus. An anarchic... That's a fun word. Yeah. Anarchic. An anarchic hip-hop-inspired comedy that follows four city boys on a wilderness trek as they try to escape a mysterious huntsman. So this movie uh, came on my radar. I just saw some, like, ads for it, uh, like, on Instagram, and then I saw it popped up on Amazon Prime, and I watched the trailer for it, and it piqued my interest. Mainly the poster piqued my interest. Uh, The poster on Amazon is four heads mounted on a wall, like uh, taxidermy style. And it's very like, what is that? Like tro- so like was, trophy hunter style, yeah? Like Yeah, like trophy hunters, yeah. like saved a head, stuffed yeah, yeah. it, all that stuff. Of uh, humans. So, yeah, human okay. heads. Yeah, great. So this ended up being this weird, like trippy, very hip-hop inspired, uh, like kind of coming of age slash horror survival comedy okay love it it's one it's very british uh eddie izzard uh, is in this and and uh adds to it in a definite way uh there is not too many people you recognize in this at least for me Uh, but there was these four young men that were very good they're the four main characters kind of an ensemble uh camping adventure it's this whole kind of um like you're in high school and you have to do this like camping hiking expedition as part of your like high school learning type thing. Yeah, like outdoor ed. Uh, yeah, like sure, if that's a thing. That's, yeah, oh that's right, sorry. Hundred <laughs> percent. No. Yeah, it's like outdoor education where you'd go with your class and uh, learn some outdoor skills for three days, and your camp is counseled by people that have never had background checks, and it's all mostly fine. Yeah, absolutely. You're not missing much. And, and one of the guys wants to be a rapper uh, so bad, and he's, like, putting stickers all over the countryside. Um, it's, like, three troublemakers and one guy that, like, basically they use the the ex- expedition as, like, a punishment for three of them. Oh, jeez. And, and then there's one guy that's homeschooled that, like, got to do this, <laughs> and he's, like, oh. really excited to be there, and, like, he's prepared and ready, and he's essentially going out there with these these three... Like, yeah, they're fuck ups. There's there's just three really just delinquent type characters, 
and uh, it, some wild stuff happens. There's some twists. There's some turns. Uh, there's some really funny dance scenes. Uh, okay. <laughs> there's some interactions with a farmer. There, it's dude. It this movie caught me by surprise, and I really liked it. Uh, if there wasn't so much good stuff coming out. Uh, I would have probably pushed to maybe do it on the show. I thought it was... <laughs> but you were like, very... no, 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 Anola Holmes is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, the thing is, we'll too, I, for- I forgot I watched this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, it was in that time where we took a couple weeks off, and I would like just wrote up small reviews and like mm-hmm. backlogged things that I watched to use for bonus content. And right. in hindsight, I probably would have rather reviewed this movie than Anola Holmes, sure. but... That's fine. That's just the way the movie Cookie Crumbles sometimes. I personally think it is very much worth a watch. Some of the characters are super endearing, uh, witty British humor, which is fantastic. I love it. Uh, I liked the writing. Beautiful outdoor scenes. A lot of it was set in like deep nature, so it was kind of a pretty movie to look at. You get some of this like very English glum, gloomy, foresty weather, which was it was really a nice thing to to film against. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah. And also just the, there was a ton of great hip hop in the soundtrack, bunch of Run the Jewels, um, lots of other artists that you'll recognize. Uh, overall, I thought it was a surprisingly good movie that just kind of came out of nowhere for me. So I recommend watching it. I think you would like it. I think it's a, it's a fun little watch. It didn't strike me as too long. I'm trying to remember how long it ran. And I 87 remember, minutes. Oh, yeah. It's a tight, tight yeah. under 90. Hell yeah, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah, so it's a nice little nugget of a movie. Uh, that's Get Duked. It's available on Amazon Prime Video for free. Just click and watch. Yeah, I'll, I'll for sure. I will put it on my, my Letterboxd watch list right now. But it sounds like, again, not to shout back to Letterboxd too shamefully, but uh, if you want to catch up with the movies, that especially during times like a pandemic, that we do get a chance to watch more films than usual, and we log them, and maybe you've watched those movies, hit us up on Letterboxd. We'll compare notes and chat about stuff because we don't always get to talk about them uh, like right now, Johnny, I haven't seen it. So he's just getting to throw it at me and I'll be like, okay, I'll watch it. But if you've seen that movie, let him know, let us know. We'd love to hear what you think, obviously. Hell yeah. Um, so then you want to move right along into, uh, our film of the week? Yeah. Let's drop a trailer for the 2020 Netflix original Enola Holmes. Let's do that right now. Where to begin? My mother named me Enola, which backwards spells alone. And yet, we were always together. And it was wonderful. She was my whole world. Which leads me on to the second thing you need to know. A week ago, I awoke. Mother? To find that my mother was missing. And she did not return. I'm presently on the way to collect my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock. Yes, Sherlock Holmes. The famous detective, my genius brother. He will have all the answers. Enola. Where's your hat and your gloves? Well, I have a hat. Just makes my head itch. And I have no gloves. My God. A wild woman brought up a wild child. Who will make her acceptable for society? She seems intelligent. There are two paths you can take, Enola. Yours or the path others choose for you. It is time to find my mother. The game is afoot. To stay hidden from my brothers, I must become something unexpected. A lady. 
you've progressed nicely. Is she safe? She's our company. I'm Viscount Tewkesbury. Her useless boy. You have to help me. I'm not ready to die on a train. I'm not ready to die at all, and I was going to before I met you. What are you planning, Mother? She always had a reason for everything. Her own way of doing things. Perhaps she wants to change the world. Perhaps it's a world that needs changing. Like most well-bred ladies, I was never taught to embroider. I was taught to watch and listen. I was taught to fight. I'm coming to find you, Mother. You don't know how to embroider. That was a trailer for the new to Netflix, Enola Holmes. I already messed it up. We're going to say, I'm going to say Holmes. I can't help it. I know the proper British pronunciation is Holmes, but I'm going to say Holmes. And the synopsis for this film, while searching for her missing brother, intrepid teen Enola Holmes uses her sleuthing skills to outsmart her big brother Sherlock and help a runaway Viscount. This film was directed by Harry Bradbeer, who has never done anything of note before this that I had seen. I'm confident the same is true for you, Johnny. This was adapted from a book series by Nancy Springer by the same name. And the screenplay was written by a dude named Jack Thorne. Johnny, who is in this movie? So you will know her from playing Eleven uh, in Stranger Things. We have Millie Bobby Brown playing the, what do they call titular. that? Titular. Speaking the of titular, hoity-toity words. The titular <laughs> Enola Holmes. Yeah. You have Henry Cavill who playing, you will know. <laughs> who you will know from roles such as Superman and Giant Spy from Mission Impossible, exactly, and uh, um, and and The Witcher, and The Witcher. Mm-hmm. You will know him for all those roles, but he was playing Sherlock Holmes. Uh, you also have Sam Clayton playing the shitty older brother Mycroft. <laughs> you also have a Lord, as you said. And that lord is played by one Lewis Partridge. Do it. And he is playing the Viscount Tewkesbury Marquess of Basilweather. God, I love it so much. I, what a name. What a name to yeah. have an actual character. And it's not like they said it once in the movie and then moved on. Like, I feel like Enola said that name a bunch. We'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, Names. Yeah. This movie came out um, on September 23rd on Netflix. It's rated PG-13 for some action adventure type violence and one occurrence of violence that really caught me off guard. But we can get to that later as well. Um, Johnny, I hate to throw you under the guillotine here, but uh, you you brought this movie to us on a silver British platter. And you mentioned, I said, are you into this? Which I meant to be like. Are you sure? And you said yes. So here we are. So I'm going to let you go first. What were your thoughts on on Enola Holmes? Yeah. Uh, you know, in the interest of staying relevant as possible to pop culture and things that are in the the limelight of this strange, strange world we're living in, I felt that it, it behooved us to cover this film. It was uh, really hot and very in the spotlight. So, yeah, it just made sense. I didn't know if I would like it. I hoped I liked it. I've liked most of the Sherlock Holmes-related things that I've ever seen. So I went in hoping this would not be too much of a disappointment. So this movie is a different twist on the Sherlock Holmes narrative. You have this lens of the younger sister that was kind of left behind while Sherlock and Mycroft went off into the world. 
She was raised alone by her mother. And this is her perspective uh, on the world and everything going on. Uh, I did not know who this movie was for most of the time. Uh, This is a very interestingly written and very obviously narrated movie. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking stuff that I didn't really care for. Um, It seemed very abrupt in its writing, very on the nose, not too much depth or nuance. Uh, And those are things that I come, I have come to kind of expect with anything related to the Sherlock Holmes uh, universe. You want some nuance, you want depth, you want intrigue, you want super high intelligence and like high level detective spy type intrigue and, uh, you know, something a bit more cerebral and engaging. And what we got was, was pretty far from that. It was very straightforward. Uh, if you had to wonder what the point was or what the plot was, don't worry. One of the main characters will look at the screen and tell you. Uh, so this movie required zero figuring out zero thinking. Uh, it was there to simply entertain you while you shove popcorn in your face And that's about it. I was massively underwhelmed. I personally did not enjoy the viewing of this very much. I, like I said, a lot of problems with some of the writing, some of the plot points, even a lot of the dialogue. Um, Just overall, this movie is definitely not for me and I don't know who it's for, but I hope they like not so great movies. So uh, not, not a big fan at all. Quite frankly, cast anyone besides Henry Cavill as Sherlock, and we will definitely get into that because, my God, I know. he's a hulking behemoth. I know. A, <laughs> just stop, dude. I feel like... Uh, I feel so, like yeah, sorry, go ahead. So overall, yeah, those those are my thoughts. I'm not super thrilled. I look forward to getting into it more in the, the danger zone a little bit, but, I mean, there's not a whole lot to spoil uh, except for maybe the... The main plot point, which ended up not being the main plot point, but more of a footnote. Yeah. Very confusing. The like I said, the right it's all I don't want to trash on this movie for too long. Um, that's my general thoughts. Max, please uh tell me you love this movie and we could have a fancy, <laughs> fancy argument. Well, I don't know that you and I are obviously gonna disagree on this. I still think that there's a good conversation to be had. I want to start it by saying my background is in in what you dubbed the Sherlock Holmes universe is is fairly limited. Like I'm aware that there is a TV show with Benedict Cumberbatch, who, and I think he plays Sherlock. And I know that there are some movies with Robert Downey Jr. And I know that I've seen parts of them over the years. And the the sort of form of those movies is that like it's also kind of narrated by Downey Jr. And the, it's like they kind of walk you through it, and it's sort of a, it's like a fun mystery, and you don't necessarily. Like you see the jab, but then the hook hits you kind of blind out of the, out of the blue. And it seems like this movie was kind of going for that, but it is so spelled out for you every step of the way. Like you mentioned the fourth wall stuff and, and like the exposition, it's just, this is just a, this is a exact masterclass and what not to do for exposition. Like there's so many moments of like, here's, here's the town they're living in. And then she'll like, like you said, like look right at the camera and be like, okay, here's what's happening now. Like, and there's like good, like 15 minutes in the beginning where it's just characters explaining sort of why and why they exist and like, like setting the stage basically. But that never really stopped um, to the point where I was like, I don't know exactly what thread I'm supposed to be following plot wise. Like there's some stuff about her finding her mother who left her behind kind of, but also left her clues. So that was weird. But then there's also like this whole political sort of element that's thrown in. And I don't know, man, there, there were a lot of, a lot of unfinished 
or at the very least not tidily tightened up threads, which is all fine, I guess. Cause what I would say is that it was clear to me, this was for young people, like particularly tweens and teens, um, maybe ones that have never had a, a smart female lead on screen before. And that's fine. I think that's a great thing if it's done well. The problem is some of that starts to unravel because there's a certain couple scenes. One that I mentioned includes violence. Where I'm like, I don't think that like a 10 year old should maybe watch that part. So to some extent I'm with you. Like I don't necessarily know who this was made for. And if I do, I think they did a bad job. I think that Millie Bobby Brown is pretty good um, with what she's given it. Like she's allowed to emote like, cause I've only seen her in stranger things as well. Have you seen her in other stuff or is it just that? Uh, I feel like I saw her in one other thing, but I cannot recall what it is. I, I pretty yeah. much know her from that. Like, I'm not a huge Stranger Things fan, but she's kind of, she's like a person with superpowers or maybe an alien. It's not clear to me, but she doesn't have a whole lot of emotional range, that character. So mm-hmm. to like see her being like a smart young kid who acts her age kind of was nice. Um, but most of this movie did not work for me. I also thought like, yeah, like you're saying that like, casting is weird. Henry Cavill is a lot of things. You and I talked about when The Witcher came out. He's a great Witcher. He gets to like lift things and swing a sword and grunt and like stare smokily towards other characters. And like that's his wheelhouse. Like he's great at just being like, yeah, I'm a strong guy. But like to to cast him as like the smartest detective in the history of the world was a weird move, particularly because the story is not told from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes. So like there are some scenes where you'll see him like analyzing like a pot of flowers or some soot in a chimney, but there's no monologue, like literally no narrative monologue. So it's basically just Henry Cavill picking things up, looking at them and setting them back down again, which like, you know, I assume we're supposed to think there's like the cogs are spinning but again it's like henry cavill and he's just he kind of like moves an eyebrow and, and then puts another heavy thing back down it's i don't know man a lot of and hell bottom carter was a weird casting choice to me too i don't know man it was all weird it was very weird and it comes in at like two hours and 15 minutes or something oh oh don't talk to me about how long it was <laughs> why because it was so it was long so long yeah i guess we should talk about a little bit like there's there's sort of this friendship slash potential love story that gets woven in between um, Anola and the Viscount Tewksbury Marquess of Baselweather, which also felt out of place. There's a whole side plot with his character. Um, did I, I already know it didn't work for you, but for the sake of radio, Johnny, did that work for you? Why or why not? No, it did not. <laughs> no, it, it did not. It was complete garbage. And uh, I'm going to spoil a little bit. I don't care. That's fine. The, that side plot became the main plot. It it was that was weird. It, yep. it just shifted over to 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 be all about this this kid, what this w- guy. What would you say the main plot was before that? Uh, she was trying to find her mom. I agree. Yeah, and then they literally said that was my plan, but this is the new plan. Yeah, they like said that they said okay, cool. Like I guess we're not doing that anymore. Uh, yeah. yeah, it feels like so they that- tried to make it very relevant. Maybe, maybe to today, which is like, there's, there's political unrest and, um, children have the power to, to change the future, which I think is true, but then they do sort of really hammer the nail home. Like we, the future's up to us vote stuff. And it's just like, it did come kind of late where I was like, Oh, we're, we're pivoting. That's cool. I guess. Yeah. I'll just forget everything else kind of, but then some of it comes back. Yeah. Oh, this, this plot was bipolar. It was ridiculous. Uh, and also, we we don't at this point. We're maybe fifteen twenty minutes into the movie, and then the whole <laughs> plot like shifts, right? So we've been given this groundwork of who this character is as Enola Holmes. We give sure we've been given 
her background, her motivations, like what she thinks about certain things and all like just all this stuff. And then we have this this dude get interjected and just change apparently her whole personality. Are you thinking like of every- the Viscount Tewksbury Marquesa Basilweather? Yeah, that guy whose yeah, yeah. whole name, like you, <laughs> Millie Bob- Bobby Brown's yeah. Enola Holmes, insists on saying his whole name at all times. Yeah. But also he insists on saying Enola Holmes every yeah. time he talks to her. Yeah, yeah. Like, imagine if we were just like, hey, Max Minardi, would you like to go grab a beer? I mean, I have a pretty short, we have short names. Like, I, people call me that sometimes. And I call you that on this podcast. Like, John Summers, what do you think? But it's not like me going, Johnny Summers, king of beers with the mouth of a king and the movie insights of a genius. What do you think? That would be exactly. that would be a lot every time. Quite you know? frankly, that that would get a response out of me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and maybe not one that is associated with a PG thirteen movie, but that's fine. Yeah, exactly. But just the fact that they kept calling each other their whole, but like, and they're in a room where the, it would be a simple like Enola, let's do this. Enola Holmes, why are we not doing? It's just I don't. Let no, me let just, me make that, that annoyed me. A slight case for it. Which is that if you don't know what a Viscount does, or if you're like me, full transparency, you didn't even know how to pronounce Viscount, what you should know is that the role was, this is from Wikipedia, to administer justice and to collect taxes and revenues, often being Castellan of the local castle. So you, we could make the case, I don't want to, but it could be made that she was showing respect to his uh, stature in their society. Granted, it's pointed out at the end that she's never even bowed to him which she's supposed to do. So it's not a great case. And it sounds like Viscounts are just hated by everybody. Nobody likes that guy. Yeah. I think she was just being sarcastic. I think so too. Yeah. So I, I, so anyways, like I was saying her whole character that has been developed for this short period of time that we've had to learn about her is pretty much disregarded. Uh, You have this whole narrative of her, like, being this independent person yeah. that like can be self-sufficient. She's going to go find her mom on her own, but then she sees a boy I know, and it just undermines her whole character and her whole. Uh, so like, to me, it's like you want this movie to be empowering and like about certain, you know, girl power, essentially totally they emphasize that quite a bit. Don't have your main characters whole, <laughs> like whole motivation. I know be derailed by a cute boy. I know. Like, that's just immature writing, and it undermines the whole point of this character, and it completely took me out of this movie. Yeah. And let me, quick correction. It's not two hours and 18 minutes. It's two hours and two minutes, but I saw it, and it probably doesn't matter, but I had to correct myself. Um, Felt like two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, it did. Um, You're right. Like, like we do get this, I was going to say great montage, but that's just my autopilot turning on. We have, there is a montage in the beginning of sort of these flashbacks with her growing up after her brothers have moved out and after her, her dad's dead, gone, her dad's not in the picture, gone. Let's say gone. Um, and we get these montages of her learning and reading and fighting with her mom and not fighting with, but like her mom teaching her to fight her mom being Helena Bonham Carter. And there is like, she's, she's sort of elevated out of the traditional, um, roles of women in that time period. And we're like, okay, like let's see where this goes. Like she's setting off on her own. This is a total, solo adventure movie and then it does sort of get derailed or at the very least redirected in an unsatisfying way when she meets that character it's like yeah you're undercutting sort of the entire framework that you laid for us Mm -hmm. and and granted i don't know if this is too spoilery like it doesn't fully devolve into a love story in a way that gets in the way of what she although she's just trying to save him so maybe it does maybe that's the point maybe it does derail 
Mm-hmm. It yeah. derailed completely. Yeah, I guess so. And she was on a task, and she, you know, completely <laughs> set aside her yeah. only. Her, her she's only, only had one life goal yeah, this yeah. whole time. Yeah, she's only had one motivation, and she completely sets it to just completely abandons it. Says, "Nope, yeah, don't need my mom. Like, We're gonna just solve this guy's problem." Like she now. sees that dude on the train. They get off the train, and then they spend what do you think? Like a, my impression was like a day together, possibly, maybe less. Yeah. And then, like, they connect later, and she's like, I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, what is it, like, be annoyed with you, but I couldn't stop thinking about you. It's like, I don't know, man. They really developed a strong connection quickly, and a lot of it must have taken place off screen slash in a weird timeline where time doesn't function the way it does here because they became soulmates, or at least motivationally soulmates, very, very quick. Where she's like, literally at one point, she's like, not to her mother, but, like, to us, I guess. She's like, sorry, Mom, you have to wait. I got to go save Hang on. I have to go save the Viscount Tewksbury Marquess of Baselweather. And it's just like, okay, I guess we're doing that. That's fine. Let's do that. Yeah. See what that's about. And then there's the villain guy from Game of Thrones who's like the most sadistic child murdering motherfucker ever. Yeah. That was weird, man. I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing was just off the rails, all over the place. I don't know. One who, of the- I don't know who to blame. Like, I'm not going to blame Millie Bobby Brown. I'm not going to blame Henry Cavill. I'm not even sure he's aware what I'd be blaming him for. I can't blame like, Louis Partridge. You. Sam Claflin's just the shitty older brother. I guess it has to come down to, to Harry Bradbeer and, and the screenplay writer, Jack Thorne. I think pick a lane, you guys pick a lane. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I've been doing some research um, today on the books, mm-hmm. uh, the Enola Holmes series. And there were, there were six novels in this series. Yeah. And uh, it, it sounds like the, they, this movie kind of stayed somewhat, close to the main plot of the first book yeah i mean the first book's called the case of the missing marquess sure uh so i don't know i would need to read the book but i can't imagine that the the book is is just poor as as this one is i don't know well, I, 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 maybe I'll read the book. I doubt it, but <laughs> you'd you'd hope that the book's better. The thing, the thing of the thing is that we just had this conversation, you and I did, um, and it happened last week when we talked about the devil all the time. I think, um, and I we even had it. Uh, it doesn't matter, but specifically that one. It was like when you adapt something to a movie so directly from its source material. Sometimes that doesn't work, right? And, and I think that was the case with that. Definitely. Um, I mean, you and I disagreed on, I'm thinking of ending things, but that was also adapted from a novel and the storytelling in both that and the devil all the time were nonlinear and on paper wouldn't necessarily make the best film adaptation. Um, and I think the same might be true here. Like you don't need, like you can't capture the same tone for a film as you do for a book, especially like, you know, like some of those transitions where they like rip a page or like they'd show an old timey film slide, like mm-hmm. plant point four of the plan. Just kidding. Five twenty three. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. That might work really well in a book, but it, it something about like the weird tonal juggling between like comedy and drama and romance. Like it didn't work. No. And I was expecting a mystery movie like, yes. And it could have very easily been a mystery movie. And I feel like the, the, the plot just got degraded and distracted and it needs a nice shot of Adderall to keep it on task. That and me both. Yep. Uh, okay. Well, you got anything else that you want to talk about without spoilers for this, or do you want to jump to a break and then maybe drink another beer? 
I'm going to go with option number two for okay. 5,000, Alex. <laughs> okay. Again, that's Enola Holmes. You can check it out on Netflix. Um, we're not going to talk about it again until the end of the show, wherein we will spoil it. So if you're worried about that sort of thing, for whatever reason this week, just be warned. Uh, we're going to have a quick word from our friends over at the handlebar, and then we'll be right back at you with our second beer of the day. And we'll talk to you then. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have an exciting event, like a fourth anniversary, just like us, you should go and celebrate at the handlebar right here in Chico. They've been with this podcast for damn near all of those four years, so they've been behind us for a long time. We support them. They support us. They've got an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get money off craft beer, half-off bottles of wine, deals on cocktails, amazing food, and an ever-rotating lineup of craft beer that will sure to leave every single person satisfied, except the children. Stick to the sparkling water for those youngins. Bring the dogs. Bring the family. Max, tell them exactly where to go. You're going to want to go to the south end of town here in Chico. They're located at 2070 East 20th Street. Like Johnny said, great happy hour. Great peeps in general. Go support the handlebar. And we're back with our second and final beer of the evening. Sorry, I went in full MMA announcer mode. I loved it. I was just taking a sip of something, but I, I loved this that. This is the moment you've been waiting for. <laughs> I can see the, uh, the microphone coming down, and you're just grabbing it with one hand. Yeah. It's time for the uh, second beer of the evening. Okay, you I feel like stop. what happened between the handlebar commercial and now? <laughs> Johnny's losing his There's mind. There's certainly What's an energy on? shift that has happened. Absolutely. So we're back. We're okay. done. Well, we we're finally done talking about Enola Holmes uh, kind for of. a while. Yeah. I put me in a better mood just sure. to not be thinking about that okay. for a moment. <laughs> All right. To the beer at hand. Yeah. Uh, it came in just in time to segue beautifully with the name of this beer. It is called Juiced in Time from Upland Brewing out of Bloomington, Indiana. It's a New England-style IPA with 6.5%. It features Galaxy Amarillo, Citra, and El Dorado hops. It has yeast in it, and they tell you what it is, but I don't really care. We'll get into that if it's important. From their website, uh, Juiced in Time is a New England-style IPA that's absolutely dripping with ripe tropical fruit and bold, juicy citrus flavors. Wheat and oats were added to the malt profile along with a special mineral treatment to the water to create body and smooth texture. Virtually all the hops were reserved for after the boil to minimize bitterness and amplify flavor and aroma. From the glowing orange appearance to the soft, creamy mouthfeel and delicate sweetness, this beer is everything delicious about tropical fruit juice embodied in a dangerously drinkable IPA. Love it. If you're already listening, you're like, Upland, man, I love those guys. Have you guys ever done their beer before? Let me go ahead and tell you, enthusiastic listener, we have. It's been a minute. Wasn't it uh, 134? Um, I am looking at 84. Okay. But why do you think 134? I thought we did it in 134. I was looking it up um, when I bought the beer to see what... Uh, when was the last time we did it was, and I thought we did it in 134. You might be right. Um, that yeah. didn't come up in my quick Google search. If it's not clear at this point, my uh, my compendium of beer list is not complete. Um, that's fine. But so we've done them at least once or twice. Um, yeah, it's been a while. I think the last one we did was a sour, if I'm not mistaken. They're they're known for their their wild ales. They do a really good prickly pear sour they do a couple kiwi like a kiwi sour dope uh so i was introduced to them in that regard as just being an amazing wild ales brewery uh and this was available and it was canned <clears throat> i think august like early august i want to say like 8 2 or 8 16 so it's yeah you know a month month and a half old still very much in its realm of deliciousness 
So I wanted to give it a try. I don't think I've ever even had an IPA from Upland. Same. Uh, so obviously uh, it is worth worth a shot, especially since it's something that we rarely get on the West Coast. And also, like you said, we've done maybe once or twice on the show. Yeah, so, Max, yeah. have you dug in to Juiced in Time yet? Not quite yet. I was actually going to try to clear up this uh, this mystery, which is, I mean, you mentioned their sours. Like the first one we did on, on episode 84 was uh, a beer called Crimson. Um, and I, I remember, oh. the, I remember the label so specifically, it was this really like seductive sort of, um, if it I remember was, like was... pastel sort of almost like a, like a, like a, a red, um, drop of ink dropped in oil or something. It was very cool looking. Um, but to touch on your point, like I also haven't had any IPAs from them. And when I made the episode notes on episode 84, they were called Upland Sour Ales. Mm. So I'm, I'm very interested, slightly apprehensive, um, to try this beer because on one hand, maybe it's a new style for them, but on the other hand, like it's a new England IPA often very forgiving. So looking forward to it, but I assume that in this long run on sentence that I've given, you've poured yours. Uh, I have a poured it and I have tried it. It is interesting. Mm. It's nice to look at. It's like a golden yellow, very hazy. Um, to me, I'm, I, it, Hmm. It tastes more like a slightly old IPA <laughs> than a New England IPA. It smells that way too. Uh, yeah, I'm getting like I don't know if it's from like the Eldorado and the Amarillo because Amarillo is very heavy on like a dirt, yep, uh, kind of cardboardy dirt flavor, and that can translate into something tasting a little bit old before it is, just because that is a characteristic of that hop, and I'm. I'm thinking, because this beer is pretty fresh, unless it was just stored super warm, I'm thinking that it probably didn't uh, age like and get off flavors that soon. So I'm assuming that what I'm tasting is from the hops. But to me, this I'm getting a little bit of the juiciness, but for sure, uh, if blind tasting, this has way more bitterness and hop-forward characteristics. the only thing that makes me think it's an East Coast or New England style IPA is the aesthetic looking at it in my glass. If I were to just drink this blind, I would say this might be a, a West Coast double IPA. Yeah, dude. It's certainly pretty heavy on like the – I'm not quite going as far as you are with like the cardboard, but it's definitely malty and heavy and, and almost sweet from what feels like – yeah, like it, it's not old, I guess. But I also have a hard time imagining that a brewery of the caliber – of Upland is willing to put out something that to me tastes this bad. Yeah. I get a really like, it reminds me of licking envelopes. Yeah. Yeah. There is, there's a very like papery sort of in like a warehouse kind of vibe. Yeah. Papery and adhesive. Yeah. Uh, This is kind of a bummer for me. I'm not really as stoked on the spears. I thought I was going to be, no. Uh, it's not hitting the marks of a good New England IPA. Even I know what those are. I don't like them, but I know what they are when I taste them. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think I'm objective enough to be like, yeah, I hate this, but it's really well made. Yeah, we, um, we do that very often. Yeah. Like, I'm not a big fan of this, and I, I honestly don't think it was uh, probably put together that well. Uh, unless I said, unless it, if this beer got warm, it could have changed the whole profile because... A lot of this style, the New England IPA, not I mean, not only do they fall off fairly quick within like two to four weeks of being manufactured in ideal circumstances, but something like this 
if it were to get warm and be over like 70 degrees for any length of time, yeah, it's going to taste like garbage. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm checking I'm, out their website just to see like if there's any extra information. Apparently, this beer has been in rotation since 2017, summer of 2017. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm not seeing too much that would be indicative of kind of what we're tasting aside from what you're saying, like Galaxy Amarillo, Citra, and Eldorado. And minus Citra, like those three are not typically the brightest, most punchy hops. So maybe we can uh, pass it off to that. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, there's almost like a, a sour note on the end, too. It's just something happened to the spear. It almost, if I had to guess, I'd say the spear got hot. I really do. I think it tastes like hops that have been tainted by by some heat, and uh, I don't think this is the way it was meant to taste. I really don't because this tastes nothing like a New England IPA. No. It's like a t- this tastes like a beer that's gone bad. I mean, there's some some very easily identifiable off flavors in yeah. this that I I don't think they would put into production. No, I, yeah, I don't think so either. Especially as like we all know what a New England IPA is supposed to at least kind of taste like. Yep, and this is so far from that. Like. I I don't I don't feel like this is a representation of what they were going for at all. To your point, a couple of weeks ago, I ordered a dustpan on Amazon Prime. If you have Prime, you know that it's free two day shipping. Yep, it still has not arrived. So okay. I would posit that since Upland, since this beer is coming from Indiana, there's a chance that it spent more time in transit than it normally would, were there not a pandemic happening. So yeah, you, that that's the like. Although I feel like most quality breweries do distribute their beer in refrigerated trucks, right? I think you could probably speak to that more than I could. Yeah, less than you would think. Uh, okay. Well, that makes me feel both better and worse. <laughs> better in the um, moment, worse kind of trajectory-wise for the future. Yeah, a lot of beer delivery trucks are not refrigerated. Like the majority of them aren't. Man, they're like little, just like little ovens though. Yeah, I mean, they're insulated, that you know, helps. for sure. Uh, the idea is that you deliver it you know, pull it out of a walk-in, load the truck, and then deliver it within eight hours, and right. then it goes. the i the The thing is with the uh, retailer, uh, they really have to be accountable mm-hmm. and get beer refrigerated as immediately as possible. Sometimes uh, IPAs and such are not only not put in the refrigeration immediately; they are in fact sometimes stored at room temperature, which is a beer killer. Yeah, you might right. as well just. You might as well just hit it with a hammer because you're doing the same thing. You're ruining it. It's undrinkable. Maybe we should reach out to Upland. Uh, I would say it's worth giving them an email because I honestly don't even feel very comfortable rating this beer um, just because I feel like it's it's developed off flavors and I don't think it was the brewery's fault. Well, I feel that way too, but until I know, I'm going to give it a rating and then I'll I'll pull it back if I need to, if we get that email. But until then, I'm just going to rate what I'm drinking. And yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm yeah. Asterisk. I don't feel good I'm about not, it either. <laughs> I don't feel good about it. Like yeah. I, I know that they do better than this and yeah, I think it just had too much time because it honestly, it's virtually undrinkable for me. It just, it hits like wet gluey cardboard and that's so gross to even say out loud. Yeah. Yeah. I just took another drink just to be sure, but yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a bummer. No. It's substandard for sure. This is like a two. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to, yeah, let's give it a two. Sure. Two for trying maybe. Uh, two for, it would be a one, but two for like, 
holding out hope that this is not a brewery mistake because of our past with the brewery. They've done good stuff, so I'll give them a little little leeway. Exactly. Yeah. Boy, this episode is a uh, polar opposite in beers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wish I had more of that jammy pants. That'd be great. I know. Oh, well. Shit, I might have to go buy another one. Um, well, let's move right on. Let's move that again. That's juice in time from Upland. Um, I would in this rare instance, say if you do see it around town right now, don't grab it. It's not the beer you want to buy. So don't bother telling me where you got it. Although you did earlier. So if you see the spikes, don't get it. Something happened in transit, get the next batch or try it for yourself. I guess I don't want to tell you to buy something else at spikes. Yeah. (laughs) Support a local business. Don't just, that's right. Don't, don't not go to spikes just, or Yeah. yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Go to yeah, I'll, I mean, I'm, everywhere I go, even, I mean, I, I keep my retailers accountable. I've told Andy, like, he needs to pull beer off the shelf at SNS. Like, yeah. this is not good. Like, I went back to him one time after we did the Fat Orange Cat beer that was oh, like, yeah, yeah. Six, it's like six months old, and he gave me beers for the show the next week. That's because he's dope. Yeah. He gets it. But it's like, yeah, and I don't, you know, I check dates. You have to check dates. Have some personal accountability. Yeah. You are a factor in this exchange, man. You have responsibility to yourself as a consumer to double check the dates on the things you consume. So if you get an old beer, you can only be mad at yourself, really, because, you know, you didn't check. Right. Act so. like a human. You weren't raised by wolves, you know? Exactly. Like, just be a human being. Don't act like you were raised by wolves in... in just take it. I don't know. Or, yeah. Just what, take it. What are you? What are you? Just a boy? <laughs> were you raised by wolves? Yeah. Uh, so hot and bothered. Hot and, bo- hot and bothered. That sure. was a segue from your own Max Minardi. Uh, thank you for that, sir. Sure. I look forward to four more years of terrible segues from you. <laughs> <clears throat> so I have a couple things this week. I have a hot and I have a bothered. Uh, I want you to guess which is which. Oh no. Um. Okay. Well, give me give our listeners their two options first, so they know what I'm talking about. So the two options are the boys season two. And Raised by Wolves, right? An so if, HBO original series. Yeah, if you're just joining us for the first time, I told Johnny to watch The Boys Season 2. I was very hyped on it. Raised by Wolves is a show that he wanted to watch, but Lovecraft Country got in the way. So the way I see it, it could go either way. But if I were guessing, based on my streak of luck, I would say that you don't like The Boys Season 2. Well, that is correct. In my opinion, The Boys Season 2 is absolute trash. Oh, wow. And I completely abandoned it after, what, six, seven episodes? You watched I'm the done. whole thing? Uh, I'm done. I'm never watching that show again. The second season was absolute hot garbage. How'd you get that far into it before you quit? Um, I quit. Oh, you don't like the movie stuff. Uh, no, not at all. It doesn't have anything to do with that. I quit after (laughs) the, uh, terrible, cheesy superhero sex scene. Oh yeah. That rubbed me the wrong way as well. Um, but it was a culmination of things that led to that point. Um, I feel like the the whole universe is being underutilized and over over soap operafied. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. become a drama and not an R rated superhero comic book series. You're not and wrong. I did not sign up for that. I think it's absolute garbage that they are not having insane epic superhero showdown fights every week. Like at least a little. Like okay. there was like two episodes in a row where basically no one used any of their powers and it was all just my feelings and my problems. <laughs> and that's not why I am fucking here. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. It's an R rated superhero show. I do not want a soap opera. I don't want your problems. They can be there, but the balance is not there in the writing for me. It just became too 
mushy gushy, too many feelings, too much drama between all. Like it almost felt like Big Brother superhero edition. Like, oh no, this superhero's fighting with this other superhero. The house is gonna be awkward. Like, wait, it, what do you mean, Big Brother? Away from me. The TV show, the oh, I never CBS saw reality show, where okay. like they lock people in a house and like. Oh, to, like, oh, oh! Right, right, right. Yep. It seemed like that. Like it's just, dude, come on. And like, I feel like. I had this conversation with Shalina that if you lay a groundwork in a series like season one did, where you had a lot of that interpersonal development and you had background, but you also had like them flexing up their powers and doing crazy things. And like, it was really captivating. And you would assume that the second season doesn't take a step backwards, but in fact takes a step forward and progresses in giving you more of what drew you in in the first season instead of less of it. And for me as a consumer in the world we live in where there's just simply too much content, I can't waste my time on content that is this trash. I was having a conversation with a friend of the show, Sean, the other day about like how it seems in the age of streaming shows, there's like people use, like people will be like, okay, and I think this is reasonable. Like you need like two or three episodes to get into the show. And I think like for me, at least like, sure. Okay. I'll give it that. But more and more people are like, okay, like give it, give it three seasons. <laughs> you're really gonna, you're really gonna love it. And it's like, I'm not yeah. giving it three seasons. That's, that's unrealistic. I'm not doing that. There's too much. No, that's, that's an unreasonable ask, man. Especially since I should not be one season and six episodes into a show that I think I like. Yes. And then realize that it's just awful. Agreed. That said, I think it's par for the course with a lot of uh, made for TV streaming shows that are just like, they try to keep things interesting. And often that means changing direction. And even more often that's like not at all satisfying. They try to make things new. It's like when Mumford and sons changed their vibe and they felt like a knockoff cold play. It's like, like people signed up for this because they liked what you were doing. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, tweak it, tweak it maybe, but like make it more efficient, not a different thing. Exactly. And I feel like it's such a different thing and not in a good way that I, I noped out. I quit. So therefore, The Boys Season 2 has got me very bothered this week. Did you get to the asylum? No. All right. I'll just say then for people listening, I don't agree with his take on Season 2. I do think that it's a little, it's clearly more dramatic and they do some stuff and they try to tie some uh, threads together to modern kind of culture and a lot of like, like the the movie aspect of it that comes into play is kind of dumb, but I, I for me at least it's still working and I'm 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 into it enough. Like what you were saying, like you can kind of turn off your brain and watch it. It's that show for me. So like I'm I'm mm-hmm. gonna stick with it. But I totally get what you're saying. It makes sense. Fair enough. What else you got? So I actually have two. Uh, I watched the whole season of a reality TV show. Oh God! Uh, that was it. Was called the Great American Barbecue Cookoff on okay. Netflix, and it was awesome. It was absolutely fantastic. It started with like eight home barbecue chefs, and uh, a lot of them had done competitions and stuff. But there was a few of them that had never even competed that were just like home barbecuers and home chefs, and it was a very interesting culinary challenge. Some of the things they did that were kind of par for the course for like a Master Chef. Uh, Iron Chef, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. then they threw crazy ingredients at them and they had to like barbecue lobsters and just wild stuff that like they definitely pushed them outside their comfort zone. I learned a lot. Uh, I also thought it was very well written and um, 
all the contest it was like uh camaraderie was encouraged and it's kind of a reflection that's on like the, the best cu- like the culture of like barbecue cooking it's very mm. um it's very collaborative it's very inclusive and it's very chill it's yeah. not like you know yeah. i'm gonna win at all costs i'm gonna like sabotage your barbecue it's more like Hey, my stuff's like good right now. Like, and you're struggling. Can I help you? Like, I want you to do good. good. That's great. And the whole show was like that up until the very, very end. And, um, like the winner regretted winning because he thought the other people were more deserving. Um, I feel like that's the show in a nutshell and I loved it. And I loved what it said about like that community of cooking and the supportiveness and also the, uh, just the overall vibes of it, and I really liked it, and I learned a lot. I picked up some good ideas and some tips, and I I want to be on season two. I'm just going to say that now. Uh, it's on record. I'm going to – I'm actually going to, like, legitimately try and pursue being on season how two. Do we, how do we make that happen? I got to start sending some emails. I got to probably up my social media presence, like – Start posting more barbecue on Instagram. You should make your own. Make 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 a maybe make a barbecue Instagram just for you. God, that's so cock. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. Why? You're, if you're setting out to to make a name for a thing that you're about, do it. Like own yeah. own own it. But I feel like it could go on my like regular Instagram. I don't need to like create another one. Well, that might be the case. I mean, we uh, could basically promote our podcast on our regular Instagrams, but. There's something to be said for a TV network being able to go to your barbecue Instagram page and be like, this is his stuff. That's fair. That's fair. Because they don't give a fuck about your cats. I also need (laughs) – that's true. Even though they should. They they should, but they don't. Um, I would need to – I need to get uh, like two more barbecues to learn different styles. But then like give me like a solid six months to a year with both of those like two different barbecues. Yeah. I I think I could do it. Uh, So, yeah, I want to be on season two. There I said it. Okay, and uh, name of the show one more time. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna butcher. It. I'm pretty sure it was called the. Don't Great American. make a don't make a butcher pun right now. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're talking about the boys or if you're talking about meat, but either way, don't make a butcher pun. Right, right. It's fucking time. <laughs> right, it's fucking time. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was called. I want to say it was the Great American Barbecue Cookoff. You have like a computer. American- I know. I'm going to Google it. Okay. Uh, while you're Googling it, I will say if you want to check out that show or taste Johnny's barbecue or at least follow it, you should follow him um, on his on his Instagram or ours. Or more importantly, just follow the podcast because oftentimes we share cool stuff that we do individually to the show and vice versa. So if somehow you're not following us on Instagram, please do that. We're doing a little bit more fun stuff. I'll say right now there's a competition. Uh, well, it'll be gone by the time you hear this. So I've just filled the time hopefully enough that you can tell me the name of this actual barbecue show. <laughs> that was terrible. I know. Uh the the show was called The Great uh the I keep wanting to call it Great. Yeah. Uh, the American Barbecue Showdown. It's oh, okay. on Netflix. It, it dropped September 3rd. Just came out at the beginning of this month. Is a fantastic show. If you like barbecue or if you're an amateur barbecuer in the backyard to intermediate or think you're pro, uh, watch it. It was really cool. Dope. Okay. Then you do have one more thing. It's about time we get back to Raised by Wolves, which is a show oh, on God, HBO yes. and that's all I know. That was the original hot. Agreed. Uh, yes. I have watched one episode of Raised by Wolves, and it was one of the most compelling and n- impressively narrative first hours of television that I've ever watched. It was expansive wait, and world-building. What's the show? What's it about? It's called Raised by Wolves. So like, Give me the elevator pitch for like, okay. what, what is it? Well, it is uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Love You'll it. know him from Alien... Aliens, Blade Alien Runner. Resurrection, 
Blade Runner. Blade Runner. That's right. And um, what's the one he just did? Uh, uh, derp, 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 derp. Describe I it. Can't remember. <sighs> Prometheus. <clears throat> oh, I never. But saw anyways, Prometheus. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a maybe the most pure sci-fi original series that I've seen in years. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna give you the first thirty seconds of the show. Um, two androids crash on a planet, and they like have this shelter they put up, and they like uh, have six or twelve. Humans. I can't remember which uh, feed like uh, eggs and and sort of like fertilized eggs mm-hmm. that they like um, gestate and then they like emerge nine months later and they've got like the idea is that these androids are going to be perpetuating the human race on this uninhabited yet habitable planet. Is the show about the androids or the humans? A little bit of both. Love it. Sci-fi. That's great. Yeah, hardcore sci-fi. Like I said, I've only watched one hour. That's why it's more of a footnote in this. But I abandoned the boys season two, and like I literally turned off the boys and turned on Raised by Wolves. Yeah, this is just smooth transition. Do you think I should stick with the boys season two? Uh like like we were talking about earlier at the beginning of the show. Like, there's so much coming out, you know. Um, so I I don't know. For me, it's not this groundbreaking show necessarily i think it's doing some cool things by upending convention superhero wise but no if, if you're out already at this point because you're it sounds like you're about an episode behind um no ditch it it's fine watch raised by wolves cool. deal i will report back once i watch more of raised by wolves but as of episode one it was absolutely unbelievable it has an amazing aesthetic and the first episode went so far in world building and story yeah. building that like, there's no way I can't be in hook, line and sinker. Fair. Um, the whole first episode probably could have been a novel. I'm going to put that out there. It was yeah. nice. Like you watch it, you watch the first episode. You'll see what I mean. Fair. All right. Speaking Max, of, what do yeah. you got? Dude, the first thing I see on your notes is battle vans. <laughs> are you in, in a way in the you, interest of, of making a smooth transition? I'm going to skip that for a moment and jump to my second thing, which is utopia which is another show available for streaming uh, on Amazon prime opposite to you. I finished the boys season two and I'm like, what else can I watch? And in my recommended, if you liked this feed was a show called utopia. And I latched on because I saw rain Wilson in it. And that's basically all it took. Like at this point, like I'm a fan of his weirder stuff. Like I I love the movie super, which is where he's just a dude but is convinced that like superheroes are just people that decide to be superheroes. Uh, Ellen Page is in it. It's a great, weird black comedy. I love it so much. So anytime I see Rain Wilson because of that and some of his other stuff, I'm just like, okay, sure. Like I'll give this a shot. And basically Utopia is, and I've only seen one episode similar to Raised by Wolves. Um, it's this show about a world in which there has been a, a comic book released called uh, Dystopia. And it's sort of in the, in the, this culture thrives on like Reddit subreddits. Like this is like very deep, like nerdy internet stuff. And dystopia has been out for a long time. And these comics predicted all of the worst pandemics that would ever happen. Like the MERS virus and, and, and AIDS and like, um, a bunch of others. Um, what's the mosquito one? Oh, malaria. No, like more, maybe it's West Nile. West Nile. Yeah. So like, it's like they predicted this. So now for a long time, like, uh, dystopia ended and nobody knew it was going to happen. And then utopia was discovered in this old abandoned house that this couple bought. And the show is all about this group of people that are like diehard fans 
of dystopia and they all hear about the discovery of, of utopia and like decide to finally get together at what equates to like a comic con and they all meet each other and like place a bid to get this comic book so they can, they all have different reasons, but kind of the, the biggest implication is that like, maybe this is predicting the future of humankind. So it's like sci-fi meets superhero meets kind of weird, um, rain Wilson comedy. Okay. Granted, I haven't seen him in the show yet. I've just saw him in the trailer. So he wasn't in the first episode, but I think it has a lot of potential. I'll report back next week. I would imagine. But if you're interested in that kind of spiel, I would check it out. It's again, it's on prime. It's like an hour episode kind of thing. So do that. Yeah. I've been very intrigued about that myself. I don't even know that I would like, I'm not putting my name behind it yet. But I'm certainly interested. So like, it's not a hot, it's not a bothered, it's a what you're watching. It's a potential, like, let's see what this is about. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but then back to your point, Battle Vans, which is in my notes. Battle I, Vans. Several weeks ago thought of, I I bought a white a white pair of vans. Van can I just or sneakers. Can I just interject with the several images that I, I thought of when I read that? Please. So the first was a Mad Max style yep. post-apocalypse <laughs> where everyone's driving minivans yeah. and they're all like soccer moms. Of course. And they dads. have to like beat each other to death with like maces with like Starbucks travel cups at the end. Love it. Uh, and then the other was just you as a pirate wearing vans and swashbuckling. I like both of those so much. Unfortunately. These are my, these are my battle vans. That's not the case. What right. happened was I bought some white vans, and as you do with white sneakers, they get a little dirty. I was like, okay, I can just clean them. That was I knew this was part of the deal. They're white, so sure. And I thought maybe I'll get a little bit of bleach and water. If you know anything about uh, canvas, which I, I guess don't, you can't always use bleach because sometimes it turns white yellow. So that went poorly. And then a couple of weeks later, brings us to today. I was like, okay, I'll try this this little like scrubber applicator that is like a stain remover type gel. And that made it even worse. Like, like it almost looked like a brown and white camouflage pattern to the point where I'm like, I'm not even sure if this is fixable, but I'll try. So then I made a mixture with uh, baking soda, white vinegar and water. And then I scrubbed it down, threw it out on my patio to dry. And that's where we're at. I have no idea what it looks like. I'll check tonight, but it might be better. It might be worse. That's been my vans, my battle vans experience. Oh, that's like a mix, man. That's like, yeah, you were hot on them. None then they bothered you. I know it's, it's very, it's, it's a, it's a war. Can't be decided by yeah. one battle. That's right. You may have won the battle. <laughs> the war still rages. And then very briefly, I do. I also have a podcast recommendation. It's been recommended to me for years. It's called armchair expert with Dax Shepard. Dax Shepard. Yeah. Are you a fan of the show? I've listened to a few episodes and I like what I heard. And then I got distracted by something shiny and never listened to it again. Sure. It seems very much sort of the, the format of like a Joe Rogan experience is, which is just like the host in this case, Dax Shepard has a guest on and they talk about what's going on in that person's life or like whatever their field of interest is. And I don't, I don't particularly love Joe Rogan. So I've never latched onto that. And I didn't know that I loved Dax Shepard, but I really do. And I got hooked in, uh, with an episode where he interviewed Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Aaron Burr in Hamilton, as well as a bunch of other stuff. And it was really great. It was insightful. They, the, the banter was great. But what really got me is that for the past 16 years, Dax Shepard has been an openly um, recovering addict. He was, he was hooked mm. on, um, on uh, you know, prescription opioids. Okay. And it was in the news recently, like within the past week or two, that he relapsed. 
And he put out a podcast episode about that. Oh, wow. Like where him and his co-host just talked about it. Oh, shit. Like was super transparent about his struggles and like what it was like and and the guilt and the shame, but also the hope. It was very, very interesting, especially wow. from the perspective of hearing somebody so high profile being that vulnerable. Yeah, man. That's so crazy. If that's your jam, check out Armchair Expert. It's very it's wherever podcasts are. I highly recommend. And are you are you recommending it just on that the the merit of that episode or did you listen to more? I've just heard those two, but I really feel like I got a good snapshot of kind of what his deal is. Okay. And can you can you just be a little bit more clear as to which two you listen to? Do they have episode numbers? Yeah, so just- so the one the the uh the relapse one is is just called uh, Day Seven which is basically it's his, he's now gone from 16 years of sobriety to seven days of sobriety. Damn. And then I think the other one is just called like Leslie Odom jr. Or like interview with Leslie Odom jr. Okay. So they're just like by the name of the guest. Yeah. I would much. just scroll through and like find somebody that you are interested in and listen to that. Cause it's going to be interesting. He's just an interesting dude. He's a great interviewer. Um, a great conversationalist. He's a little bit interrupty. Um, oh, the one the one that came out today. Speaking of interrupty, sure, go <laughs> for it. Love you. it. Uh, the one that got, that came out today actually was uh, with Sophia Coppola. Dope. Like I'm, so I'm I, listening to the shit out of that. It sounds great. Uh, yeah, you know she's got a new movie coming out. I did. I did know that. I actually can't with think of what Bill it is. Murray. Cool. That's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All yeah. right. So armchair expert. I'm I'm into it. I'm always looking for new stuff to listen to, and I like more either really funny or like. Yep. Uh, informative, but casually informative. I like, yeah, yeah. I, dude, I listen to some where it's like sitting down with like a scientist and you're like, I can't listen to any more technical terms about <laughs> why we need to recycle. <laughs> like, I'm just going to like crash my car into a river. I'm tired of these intrepid scientists telling me all this factual <sighs> stuff. With their sleuthing. <laughs> their delusions. Uh, their delusions. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Right on, man. That's my hot mother. Ch- That's yours. Um, I like it. Do you want to check it out? Yeah. And I think we're both going to watch Utopia. Yeah. I'm going to at least give it another episode or two. All right. And I'm going to keep watching Raised by Wolves. Yeah. Sounds right. Um, Okay. One final warning into any listeners that have not yet seen Enola Holmes. We're going to jump into the danger zone and spoil it. John, do you have anything else you want to add before we go there? No. I think we've covered so much. Danger Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. All right, we are in the danger zone. Again, we're spoiling Enola Holmes. If you haven't seen it, you've been warned. Johnny. Dare I say the writers spoiled this for us, but yes, we'll do our best to spoil it for you now. Like, we just all left the theater of our homes and our minds because this is on Netflix. So uh, I've just left the theater of my mind, and I must discuss this with you now, my friend Max. So I've got a couple of hangups. Um Number one, which you alluded to earlier, which is that the movie sets us off with one plot in mind, which is that... Helena Bottom Carter, as Anola's mother, has left her kind of out of the blue. No, no sense of where she's gone. She's just disappeared. Um, and then Anola just sets off to track her down. That's all well and good. Eventually she does find her. And we learn that mom was like, I had to leave you behind for your own good. I was trying to keep you safe, which makes mm-hmm. sense. It's clearly a dangerous world. The problem that I took is that, like, you kind of left her clues, though. Like you did want, you like left these clues that you've basically trained her to find. So why leave? Why not just be like, Hey, you're going to catch up to me. So, you know, let's split the bus fare, carriage fare, share a ride. I didn't get Mm -hmm. that. I don't, did you have a different take on that than me? No, it was odd. It was like, 
I have to leave for your safety, but also I'm readily available. Like, I'll see you in a bit. And also, this movie was supposed to be about finding me, but you didn't. But here I am, and now I'm leaving again. <sighs> it just didn't make any I don't sense. Get, yeah, man. I don't get why she left at the end, too. Like, okay, so then the side plot, the, or not the main plot, the other plot, is that there's this sort of impending vote in the British Parliament, which well, we have- Yeah, but- Go ahead. Uh, but that became part of the main plot because the kid. That's what I'm saying. No, it's it's like the other plot. Like it's the main plot. There are two main plots, I guess. Kind of. Um, yes. Where it seems like, and Johnny, you pointed this out to me just to solidify it. Like it's basically about women's suffrage. Like women need to vote. And Helena Bottom Carter's like, I'm going to, I guess, blow something up. And then Enola's like, I'm going to convince this boy to just go do the thing he's supposed to do. And break the tie and make women vote, I guess. Yeah. So, what's the deal with like her mom being like, uh, you know, Guy Forks, <laughs> an arsonist? But then, but then, like, Enola's like, she can't be this bad. And then, like, you find out she is, but then they never address that again. You're like, it's cool. I don't, I, I don't like, know. That never, that never gets touched. It felt like that sort of chemist, the chem lab sort of explosive warehouse was just there for like a distraction for the mercenary assassin dude. Yeah. Like I hypothetically, we find these boxes of bombs. Like what is she planning to blow up? Like is she, is she pulling a fight club? Like blowing up the infrastructure to reset society kind of thing? I think so. I think she's being like guerrilla terrorist warfare type shit. And, and I guess, but it feels like if you're that smart again, like this is in in the the mythology of Sherlock Holmes, like the smartest, I guess, family ever. Like, maybe we don't go with just blowing stuff up. Like, it feels like this should be more than that. Or if you are going full, like, V for Vendetta, you, like, actually sever ties with your family, and then you blow some stuff up, and then maybe, like, your daughter figures out that mystery, but then realizes she's on the side of, like, women in progress and, like, starts blowing stuff up with her or arrests her, and then they become arch enemies. Like, there's so many different angles you could take that. But take an angle, take one, yeah. pick one. Yeah, yeah. Like they picked zero angles for that to like have Enola react to that information and then seeing her mom again. Like, does she think her mom's a criminal? I, I like, guess. What, like, does she just not care? It was very confusing, dude. Yeah, she has a line where she's like, oh, Sherlock was right. You are dangerous. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like you probably knew that. Like, your mother's very talented. Surely those talents could be used for evil if she wanted. And I don't even think that's what was happening, but you could posit based on your knowledge of your own mother. Like, yeah, she's intelligent and skilled. Like, that could be used for a bad cause if she wanted them to. She was so shocked that, like, this is gunpowder in this warehouse in an area called, like, the Dragon. Like, I didn't like a lot of that, too. The Green Dragon area? Yeah, like, she traced back, and it was just, like, the only sort of, like, Asian people in the entire movie we're like relegated to this one sort of like gunpowder and mysterious explosions neighborhood of London. That was weird. It's weird. To yeah. Me. Yeah. And then there was like the whole, like, do you remember this whole like secret society type thing sure. that was happening? Sure. Like, and the, like, that that seemed like, like it seemed like they were like, her mom was a terrorist and like, everyone's just cool with that. Yeah. If that's the that way, that's what it seems like to me. It also feels like, what I was going to say is like, well, maybe they'll, they'll make sense that in a sequel, but that's the exact opposite of the argument I was trying to make earlier. Like just watch the show for six seasons. And you'll get like, I don't want to have to watch it the whole, like, give me what I need in this first thing. Otherwise I'm out. Like, no, you have to, if you lay the groundwork, you need to finish it. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I get the idea of like a cliffhanger and sort of setting the context for future storylines, but some of it seems so pertinent to the actual plot that was happening in real time in this movie. Like they just kind of forgot about it or willfully ignored it at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. And that was odd because her mom was like the whole central plot of the movie for 20 minutes. Yes. That's what, that's what screwed me up so much was like the massive tonal shift. Yes. If just like complete 180, like stop the car switch. We're not, we're not going to like do the thing where we just all switch seats and you drive now. Like we're getting in a different car. Like, yeah. This becomes a different movie. I also and think you just, can't jump from a train like that. I don't and, think that's how trains work. Be at okay. All. Yeah. No. And also that, that kid was annoying. Honestly, Millie Bobby Brown was annoying for a lot of this movie too. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just, I didn't buy it, man. I didn't like the writing. I didn't like this movie. I thought it was confused and it befuddled and it was not very trepidatious. Did we rate it? No. <laughs> no, Shoot. we didn't. I would say that's my fault, but at this point, like you should come to expect that I'm going to forget. I think it's <laughs> at on this you. Point, by default, it's my fault. Yeah. God I mean, it. it's got to be, you know, uh, I was just looking back. Like, what do, what do, and now that we've, I don't know, we've t- talked a little bit more shit than usual. Like I think it's going to affect my rating. So I'm going to give it like an extra point just for fun. But uh, it's, a, it's, a, well. it's a 3.8 yeah, it's a, Oh, that's really close to mine Mine's just a 4 Yeah, Great, okay, same page Do you have anything yep. else you want to spoil about Enola Holmes? Spoilery, no But like, how God awful is Henry Cavill In most things <sighs> Part of me just wants to be like Yeah, but he's hot So, I mean, yes But that's but not an like, excuse Like, I wouldn't feel comfortable using that as an excuse for a woman well, I mean, I do though. Like, yeah, it's like you're not the best actress, but you're like there to look at. See, Sometimes but I'm, I'm not cool that's... with that, and I'm, I shouldn't be cool with it for guys either. But it feels less yeah. predatory because I'm a guy, so I'm like, yeah, that's I guess fine. But it's still not a well, good from a, a film perspective. It's not a good justification. Well, then I guess like I'm even more woke because I like apply that to men and women, so I'm like equal <laughs> opportunity. Like, yeah. it's not okay to apply it to one or the other, so I'm gonna apply it to both. Like. You can be a bad actor and be attractive, and I'll enjoy seeing you in a movie. That's fair. Uh, I feel like that about most of what Halle Berry's done outside of like Monsters Ball. I mean, what a movie Monsters Ball was, or Swordfish? Maybe she was good in Swordfish. She was pretty good, but also she got paid to show her boobs in that movie. Oh, that's true. That was a huge thing. That was a big deal. Big yeah. big deal. Um, but I mean, she's a good actress. Like like in Monsters Ball. Monsters Ball was amazing, but. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly I don't enjoy her as an actress that much. Um, I don't really. But yeah, like Henry yeah. Cavill, dude. Like, just be something other than a chiseled jawline, or don't. But then don't play the roles where it's required that you are. Yeah, I don't want to see Jesse the Body Ventura, which is what it felt like with the chin, like as Sherlock Holmes. Like, I don't need to see super cut, like big old giant chest puffing out in like a tailored suit when you're trying to be the world's greatest detective like this like i would much rather have benedictine cumberbund <laughs> than than this guy i mean don't get me wrong there's a fanfic of this that i'd be into which is just like beefcake sherlock holmes played by that by by uh henry cavill like like kicking down some poor old woman not old his age woman or man's door being like i heard you have a mystery to solve I'm sure cock Holmes. I don't know. Sure. sure cock Holmes. <laughs> like, like I, I guess I'd be there for that, but 
Don't well, that don't just make went it from a fan fiction to a straight up porn. Is there dude. a difference? Isn't that what fanfic mostly is? Is just like fantastical, sensual rewrites of kind of nerdy characters, but in this case, like a nerdy, beefy character. I don't know if it's always like sensual, but it, I mean, it sure could be because you're talking fan fiction. It can be anything you want. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I My, suppose. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I look at this in like the con. Like I would like to see. Uh, not him as Sherlock Holmes ever, but I mean, like, did you see the ones with Robert Downey Jr.? Like, I like, didn't kinda. believe. I okay, I've watched. Okay, let me give you some background. I've read a ton <laughs> of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's works. I've read most of the Sherlock Holmes stories in book form, you know, with words. Uh, yeah, like a book. I've, yeah, like a book. <laughs> I've watched all the Robert Downey Jr. movies multiple times. I've watched the series with Bernadine Cumberbunce. One uh, of these like days four, you'll get it right. Like four times front to back. I love the guy that plays Moriarty. Yeah. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, I love that series. So like I'm a I dare I say I'm a pretty big Sherlock Holmes fan. Right. And I like the universe and uh hands down, the worst Sherlock Holmes that's ever been is this guy. I know. Uh, oh my god. I I just cast anyone else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Like cast, cast uh, uh, Robert Pattinson. Why not cast him in everything? In my just book. cast him. He's the best. And it would have been like, oh, you think you're smart? Delusions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like if you could combine his character from The Devil All the Time with his character from The Lighthouse. Like I don't oh know who God. that guy is. Like I'm scared of that guy, but I want to watch that guy's story on screen <laughs> for so sure. Good. Like I want to watch that character be Sherlock Holmes. Like, and that's, give me that. That's my fanfic. In, in good times. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so he's like a criminal on the run, but he's super smart and also unstable. There's just one time. Just the good, the one good time. But yeah. The one, totally. the one good time. That'd be the sequel. A, good times. One good time. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I had to fight everything in my power. Everything had to hold back when when you said alluded. I wanted to be like allude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna do it with everything that sounds like yeah, the word delusion. Totally. Now. Oh man, I can't wait for Batman. Speaking of that, oh Speaking god, yeah, me neither. I'm kind of stoked for him to be Batman. Me too. Yeah, hell it's yeah. Great. We it obviously was. we obviously have nothing else. Yeah, let's let's get out of here, man. We <laughs> okay. let's put this movie to bed. Uh, I'm. I'm glad we covered it. It sure. was it was something relevant and uh in the world of not going to the movie theaters anymore it's important. So, I regret nothing, uh but I also am going to erase this movie from my memory. As always, the show wouldn't be what it is without Bailey Minardi. We're available at all the social medias we listed at the top of the show. If you have thoughts on the beers or the movies that we've covered today, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We'll be back in your feeds next Friday with another juicy, cinematographically loaded episode, and we can't wait to see you. That's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. Uh, Thanks again for listening to us for the last four years, and thanks for sticking with us, everyone that has. Thanks to all our patrons, too, that have been sticking with us through this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate all of you and everyone that interacts and honestly, everyone that listens to this every week. You're the reason we do it and we love you and we appreciate you and I can't wait to do this next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.